they'll say, you know, mindfulness, that's woo-woo. That's too soft and time-consuming, you know, for business. That can't work. And I say, you know what? Woo-woo is the state of the world. Distracted, divided, gridlocked. To me, that's (laughs) woo-woo. just thank you for agreeing to come on to the consultant on the coach podcast uh this is my good buddy josh hi josh hey we've been communicating a lot in the email i do a lot of the email work so yeah Yeah, good i i am a trained executive coach and uh josh is a trained consultant so we come from two completely different perspectives i don't understand everything that josh does but i see things from an executive coaching uh, I have no idea what you do, so it's okay. Yeah, that's okay. Well, we complement each other very, well, very well. And, and to, to give, to recognize what Eric brings to the table. So we like to say, Eric, that between the two of us, we have 40 years of experience. But then as I read your book, I realized you alone have 40 years of experience. So, so I thought, so you uh, double I, our experience. I, I, I don't know if it's Stephen, though. I think you guys still probably got me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, No, no, we're glad to have you on because um, your book was great. We enjoyed reading it. Uh, oh, got a awesome. lot, lot of ask, a lot of questions. Great. Um, but and now, are you still in northern Colorado? Is that where you're you're located in God's country? I am. Today, I'm in Steamboat, Colorado. Oh, awesome, Steamboat. Man. Okay. I spent five years in Denver, and it was always my plan to move back if my business ever failed. Fortunately or unfortunately, my business <laughs> never failed, so I never I never moved back to Denver. <laughs> where are you guys today? Oh. We're in central Washington, so a place All called right. Yakima. So a lot of agriculture, uh, awesome. just down to earth, great. great folks. About two hours great. from Seattle. So, um, great. so one of the things I just sort of want to open us up a little bit. Um, we'd love to hear just a little bit more about you. Um, we obviously read about you in your book, but we'll release yeah. this before some folks even have read the book. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about you. Well, I would say the starting with the relevant parts. Uh, you know, I was pretty successful, or very successful early in business in my 20s. was the CEO of a North American subsidiary of an Australian real estate group and traveled all over the country, had responsibility for Western Canada and hmm. all over the U.S. and traveled out of a Los Angeles base. And uh, just really hit me in my real early 30s. You know, I was hmm. overweight, wasn't, you know, I'm an athlete, but I hadn't worked out in five years. I was working 20, you know, when you work for the Australians, I ended up six and then they opened. Right. So then I would get to get on with my bosses who who also traveled the globe every month. So they'd say, hey, why don't we meet in Houston on Sunday? Oh, great. That's just what I wanted. So I was single, you know, and I just had an aha moment. Uh, they transferred me to Boston and I'm from Maine originally. Hmm. And I got there and finally there were enough problems in town. I didn't have to travel. And uh, I, st- I bought a scale and got a, a beautiful apartment overlooking Harbor, Boston Harbor, and uh, got on the scale and said, "Oh my God, I got to make some changes, or I'm not going to uh-huh. be around very long." Yeah. You know. So. Yep. Uh, I did. You know, I left that job. I lost some weight. I uh, did. You know, I started running again. I got those things. I met my wife, that my now wife, and I found yoga, which was my hmm. first entry into mindfulness. Got it. And it was kind of accident. You know, I don't even yep. know how I found it. There weren't studios all over the place then. You know, I mm-hmm. did it with a DVD. Uh, and I also decided to go back to college and get a PhD in economics. I said, cool. I got I to find some purpose in my life. I just, you know, business, I'm good at it. Yeah. But I, I'm just not fulfilled with it. Yeah. So yeah. I, w- I went that route. And a couple of years in that, uh, 
my oldest brother, who's a poet, introduced me to meditation. He, and I watched him. Mm. He was estranged from my dad. It was a football coach. And, you know, my dad was, you know, you will play football. My brother Bruce was, you know, I don't know if I want to play football. And anyway, so the whole family was kind of strained over. They used to talk like through me. What Bruce say? What that? You know what I mean? Oh, I played that role. I get that. We're, we're alike. I Yes. That's called triangulation. I learned about that in college. And I watched my brother get closer and closer and closer to my dad. And then when he got close, my dad opened up and they got back and I got my whole family back. We just mm. had our, you know, I think our 42nd annual family, you know, my dad's passed, but annual Jose Apple family reunion at our lake house in Maine. And mm -hmm. and uh, I said, yeah, I want some of that. And I watched one person change. My dad didn't change. You know, he was in his 70s. He didn't change. Mm -hmm. But I watched my brother change and, and change his perspective and change the whole world, you know, for me. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I'll try it. So I tried it and it, I had immediate results and I was a closet meditator for years. You know, it can be really private. You don't have to tell anybody what you're doing. You don't have to sure. go on a podcast and say that, you know, what you're doing. You can just <laughs> <laughs> change your operations. But, um, and years later, you know, uh, one by one, people at my work would start coming to me and say, you know, what's your noticing difference in you? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I became somebody that could talk to people you know, that would, because I ran 100 miles an hour, you know, but I'd slow down and talk to people about things, <laughs> a little more mindful. And we started a little seed group at our business. First, it was a couple of us where we'd read a book and talk about, you know, mindfulness, those kind mm -hmm. of things. Before I knew it, the room was full. Mm. Management team got together and, and changed the vision statement to mindfully creating community for LC Real Estate Group. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer. Everybody's on nonprofit boards and making a big difference. And everybody doesn't meditate, but everybody doesn't need to meditate. But there's a mindful culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, that motivated me to kick off Living in the Gap, where we do yep. uh, leadership training for le uh, mindful leadership training for executives, professionals. So that's that's it in a cool. nutshell. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And, I, and, and uh, that gave me the motivation to write the book that I that you're talking about, Profit with Presence. Yeah, so so that's the great. Book Profit thank with you. Presence. How long have you been working on this book? Is it is it a six month project? Is this your lifetime project? It's okay. a lifetime. Tell us more about it's this. A, it's a lifetime project. Mm -hmm. You know, I started uh, about five years ago. I, I taught at the university for twenty years at Colorado State in the business school, and I came out of that. Five, six, I don't know, time flies, but, and I started this mindful leadership, starting you know, with a number of material and workshops, and they grew. And, and so I had some material. And then uh, during COVID, I wrote it, hmm. basically. Yeah. So what, what do you want to accomplish with the book? Is it, is it, is it, hey, this is what I want people to remember? Or what, for someone that picks the book up for the very first time, what do you want to leave with him or her? <laughs> I, I want to change the business conversation. I, I love business. I love capitalism. And I think it can work for everybody. Uh, and I think there's, with my, mindfulness is what's missing in it. Mm. I just think if those that can give do give, you know, and we, uh, we broaden our perspective a little bit and start listening to each other. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's business that'll get us out of this mess. That mm -hmm. we're in the the distractiveness, the devices, gridlock. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point, business is going to say enough. Mm -hmm. We can't operate anymore. It's terrible for business now. We're still able to operate. Our system is so efficient, but at some point, business people are going to say enough. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go. And I also, I also think uh, I've witnessed what happens in business. First of all, in business, we got all races, all genders, all political parties, all mandated to, to work for a common goal in business. Mm-hmm. And if you add mindfulness to that, it really is just really a sweet mix of mm-hmm. people getting along which which we need in the world and then i what i notice and what i've witnessed personally for me and what i've noticed with the people i work with is then you bring it home mm-hmm. share it with your spouse your kids get it mm-hmm. you know you go teach a sports team they get it goes mm-hmm. to the churches goes to the schools everywhere the families go so i, I just think business is business is the melting pot Mer- mm-hmm. you can talk about america being the melting pot but where really alchemy happens is in business Mm-hmm. So I'm really hopeful. Yeah, if business could could catch on to it, that um, it could be a wildfire. Yeah, I picked up on that in the book. I think w- one of the things that connected for me, and one of the things we're excited about your book, um, being in consulting and coaching, like Eric and I are, we work with a lot of CEOs and C-suite executives, and, and the way I would summarize both our work and how I think it connects to what you're talking about is. We work with a lot of folks who are in these fast-paced, highly complex business environments, um, and we run into leaders who will fail because I think what I would, the way I would have described it, and I think this connects to the mindfulness idea, is that um, they, a lot of leaders lack the tools and the training to help them stay focused on the most important thing, which in my opinion is like the moment right in front of them, right? The conversation right in front of you, the issue right in front of you. So many leaders are so distracted and they and just lack the tools and that training to be present to your point, right? To be mindful of I'm in this moment with this situation and so easily their mind is distracted by the hundred other things that are vying for their attention. Um, is that, does that resonate? I mean, does that kind of connect well, to what you're, is, what you've well, experienced? And the irony in it is if you talk to a lot of those and I do, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll say, you know, mindfulness, that's woo woo. That's too soft and time consuming, you know, for business. Right. We, that can't work. And I say, you know what? That's not right. Woo-woo is the state of the world. Distracted, divided, right. gridlocked. To me, that's woo-woo. <laughs> I mean, mindfulness is focus. Can I choose what I want to focus on, like the person right in front of me? Right. <laughs> and I'm going to go away. And, dis- and I'm going to go, when I say go away, I mean up into my thoughts or my mm-hmm. judgments or whatever. I'm going to go, but can I notice I go and bring myself back? Right. Can I notice it? And as soon as I notice, I'm present again. Mm-hmm. Can I be there, you know, and set my phone aside and say, no, I can I can spend five minutes with somebody. It's OK. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the phone's not going to blow up. Right. <laughs> I'll be OK. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think it comes down to, yeah, the executives make, taking the lead, because if it's going to happen in corporations, it's got to happen from the top. It's not going to be like oh yeah they should be mindful it's going to have to happen from the top and be bought in absolutely and to say and to say focus is worth i mean and, and also the other thing is people think it takes way longer than it takes we start people with two minutes of meditation hmm. you know or and just try to be consistent with it and work up to you know work up to 10 over several months you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so it doesn't take and then what you pick up in efficiency and focus way more than makes up for it. And everybody at work struggles for time. So work's the ideal laboratory for it. Right. To say, hey, let's be a little more mindful and just say, let's be a little more focused. Sure. You don't need your phones at the meeting. If you need to make a phone call, step out. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to focus here. 
Don't don't flip through the phone on the on the meeting. You... Well, is there anything more distracting? Yeah. Than, than to no. have people around the table not paying attention. Well, or passive aggressive, right? For those who don't want to be there, I've seen that a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. One and I, piece... I'm a, I've been as guilty as anybody. I'm not just pointing the finger. I, oh, yeah. I, no, I'm... I think it's a culture, mm-hmm. you know, that we need to. And, candidly, business caused it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the Internet, I came out of with my PhD in 96. That was the first year we had email. Hmm. You know, from there, the dot-com boom was in the late 90s. You know, and then social media. I mean, business is the one in there grabbing all our attention. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful that but it's not going to stop unless we say no enough right we want i'm going to take my attention back i'm going to take these things so that i can focus when i choose yeah and then when i walk home i have that same ability to focus on my wife although that's harder because people we know i think it's even harder yeah <laughs> familiarity so focus yeah. there if i choose to and, and kids and I, I just think it's a and it's talk about uh Mental health, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like when you, we have a discussion at our company and we're all over the place politically. But we say, well, what are we on? Oh, we agree on, you know, that we don't like school shootings and we agree mental health is a is a is a very big part of it. Mm-hmm. We don't agree on what laws should be or whatnot, but what do we agree on. And there's nothing cheaper or more efficient than mindfulness. Mm. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. You know, just silence. Yeah. You know, it it, it was interesting. Not only my coach, I have my own coach and in working with her, the number of times I went into coaching sessions where she would start with anywhere between three minutes to 10 minutes of what she would call body work. And um, so I have found it's just been amazing how much that has helped me because I get so caught up in whatever the last detail is, I almost don't even know what I think until I can get myself to simmer down yeah. and realize, oh, yeah. yeah, what is the issue here? What's the deeper issue? So I, I have a question for you. The, the question I have, and, and part of it is I get, I, I get confused by words. So I hear the word mindfulness, meditation, prayer. I've also yep. heard... Uh, um, non-sleep, deep rest. Can you can you just give me some definitions? What are we talking about? Are they all the same? Sure. Are they all different? Help me help me understand that. Well, mindfulness would be the umbrella, the big package, you know, of it. It just means my mind is full of something. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just not full of a hundred things. It's full of something. <laughs> you know, it's full of a tree, or, you know, it's it's focused on on something. And then meditation, you know, is, is generally known to become familiar with. And we have an object that we practice with, like breath or a mantra. Or it can be the body. You mentioned body work. Like yoga is done in Eastern, you know, in older, older traditions is meditation with the body. It's not just athletics. You know, so what it's become kind of is athletics. But it's how do I focus in my body? And any time I'm focusing on my breath or in my body, my mind slows down. If I'm focused on my mind, it goes races more. Mm. So it's it's a little counterintuitive, but we work on some other kind of things. So meditation is within mindfulness. It's just it's just one of the tools of it. And you know, I don't 
everybody has to meditate um, because they won't. So I guess they don't have to, <laughs> you know. But, but we have to. But you can be mindful without meditating. I mean, a mindful walk. But one of the problems we have is we're so divorced from nature. Mm. You know, <clears throat> if we spend an hour every day out in the woods with a stream and tree and whatnot, I mean, that can be meditation. Can be really mindful. But in busy professional lives, where we're like, we wake up in the morning, we're already behind. You know, our email box is full. We got to go. We get, you know, running. Meditation is in my view the most portable and most direct so i i if if people can do it or are willing to do it it's great if they're not then i'd say you gotta find something then find something else it'll make mm -hmm. you now prayer would be you know within that doesn't have to be within mindfulness it's more thought of more from religious background i do prayer i'm not particularly religious but i do prayer every morning i also do affirmations which are in that it's like retraining the brain you know we find we have some six thousand thoughts a day most of them are repetitive they're not all that they're not all that helpful a lot of them mm. so we learn in meditation to let them go and we don't have to grab we can just select thoughts we don't have to grab on all of them and then prayer uh which you're talking to god or an affirmation where you're really talking to yourself is retraining those neural pathways hmm. so that when we're on automatic something different comes up i think it's more impactful if you meditate and have mindfulness you create a clearing rather than just putting that on top of a really busy mind do you mm -hmm. know what i mean mm -hmm. <clears throat> so clearing out first i find is really useful hmm. and trying to re retrain the brain to be because we're mostly automatic the science says like over 95 percent of our actions are just the next habitual thing mm -hmm. so what i say is i want to train my habits to be consistent with my commitments right because if my habits are one way and my commitments are another i'm gonna have a hard time fulfilling my commitments my habits will take over yeah <laughs> so i need to train the two i need to get rid of some habits some older ones and have habits that are consistent with who i say i am and what i want to do Right. And, and that actually connects to a lot of podcasts we've done around and we've done talked about habits a lot. We've talked a lot about values and how mm -hmm. to help, you know, Eric does a lot of great work with, um, leaders around just living to those values, identifying them one setting Huge. habits. Yeah. Um, so just sort of fair warning, given the limited amount of time generally with these things, I always feel bad because I like to parachute into sort of topics really deeply. And I, and I, I could show you pages of questions I've written out for you. We could probably spend three or four hours. So it's probably going to feel a little abrupt, but I would love to dive into a, a specific topic if we could. Great. And, and I have a few. We won't get to all of them, and that's okay. <laughs> that's Crazy. that's why we have the follow-on uh, podcast for us to break things down. But um, one of the topics I would love to get into with you, um, among many, is the sub-personalities. Oh, so, so you referenced, like, I really like, I was trying to, like, unpack it, and I was drawing a lot of notes and questions all over the place. Um because I think it's important for our audience to think through that issue, and I want to understand a little better. Um, several questions. First question on that is, my initial impression was it sounded to some degree like language or things we've read and we've actually reviewed in books like Strengths Finder or Working Genius. I don't know if you've seen Patrick Lencioni's latest book on Working Genius. I think I've um, seen that one. I'm familiar with Strength Finder. 
Yeah, Working Genius. Yeah, it just came out last year. We did a we did a, actually a bit of a podcast series on it in November, I think. Yeah, I don't Anyhow. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, the idea is um, there's basically we all have six working geniuses of which or there are six working geniuses. We tend to work in two of them. Everybody has two basically is a general construct. I'll have to um, check it out. So yeah, it's from Pat Lenzioni. Yeah. Um, but the um, you can always see our podcast first if you wanted to. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's a plug. Um, but uh, anyhow, question was, can you tell us, um, I read about some of your sub-personalities, which I appreciated that transparency. Sounded like some were good, some were bad. Yeah. But then what I didn't see, maybe I missed it, maybe it was in the appendix and I missed it, which was, it was do you have an assessment tool or is there something people could do to sort of arrive at what theirs are because i couldn't tell if yours sort of came just to you over yeah, time in practice or our, if there was a is, how'd we, you come to come it? through yeah we come through uh and i came through it there's a there's a guy named dr roger strachan okay that uh it runs the center for ran the center for creative choice and, and yeah. now my son ryan runs that and he's in the middle okay. he's, he's towards the end of getting his phd and doctorate and and so I think we'll have more on that. Right now, we do not have just an what you call an assessment tool. Okay. There are there are some uh, facilitators available. We I'm a trained facilitator. We do it in our workshops. There are uh, some other ones. I, I populating selves. I think I recommended in hmm. there as a as a possibility for uh, someone to get up. To speed on it, but it, it's a really it's a, it's a coming science, mm -hmm. so it okay. isn't there as much. But it's uh, and you mentioned some good and some bad, and we say really there's no good or bad. It's okay. noticing it and what you do with it. Okay. And we we find that once you've and they're genetic primarily, uh, like I have a genetic entrepreneur. You know, it's just it. since I was five, put me right. behind the cast register. You know, I know what to do. Yeah. You know, it just it was natural. Um, and, uh, so I have these per sub personalities and we find with awareness mm -hmm. that I can start to notice which ones are surfacing in different situations. And I say, who do I want on the field? I can put these different players like my negotiator, which I call my way or my entrepreneur. But if I take, if I'm going on vacation with my family, my wife really doesn't like those parts to come with us. So I have a lover <laughs> and I have an adventurer that I say, okay, well, I'm going to set those parts aside and bring these. So got it. highly an awareness tool that says, hey, once I, and everybody has different ones, we believe. They, they can become, there's a lot of work on archetypes that come back from Carl Jung, you know, like mm -hmm. some are sabotaging parts, some are, you know, heroic parts, things like that. This one refines it a little more and actually says everybody's unique like a snowflake and has mm -hmm. these different different parts. They may have tendencies, mm -hmm. but pretty independent. Once you start to do that, and then what we what we work on is then we say, okay, how do you organize these? And I organize mine through my soul. Somebody else mm -hmm. may call it something different. But I have to have someone that says, okay, what who's going to play in this situation? And I find if I mm. go to a city meeting or if I'm going somewhere with my kids, or if I'm going to a team meeting at work, I have to have different parts of me show up. And I also have to watch parts that might sabotage me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. And you're, you're starting to answer, yeah, my other question, really, I think you're getting to, so we, let's keep going on that track. Cause, but yeah, oh. I like that because it does get into 
what I looked at as well, too, mm-hmm. you, you talked about sub-personalities mm-hmm. in the book. You say, you know, wise elder yogi another sub-personality. Yes. Is that along the same lines or different? C- Perf- could you explain perfectly. more about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, no, it's the same thing. That, yeah. That's what it is. Like I have a wise elder yogi that's, you know, developing and I'm growing into. That That's my spiritual seeker. Hmm. You know, that's it's who's running, leading, living in the gap. Right. Those kind of things versus, you know, but I don't, that, that he may play a role, but when I go into a business meeting, you know, it's more my entrepreneur. Right. Thing. Another one that's interesting in that realm and business realm, but I don't have a manager. You know, I create business. I have I, I an awful lot of running them. And I don't like the details of it. And that's why you'll love the working genius. That's exactly why. That's ex- that's exact same as the the. I'll um, check it out. I'll check it out. The main, uh, yeah. yeah. But the, well, I, I lack tenacity too. Yeah, tenacity me too. Or even going um, yeah. EOS implementer. That's not me. But so, so to go down that path a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying. I I just really think that psychology is going this direction, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a direction is powerful. And I'll give you an example. Like my my son Ryan uh, struggles from depression. Just absolutely refuse to take medicine, mm-hmm. you know, to take pharmacies on it, and it just uses this entirely mm-hmm. to to uses other subpersonality parts, his athlete and other parts to get going and to recognize it. And I've just watched him transform depression into something that was a week at a time to something that's an hour or two, and watching him work through it. Hmm. And can you talk a little bit more? Because those are that was really helpful, and I think connects to the book where I was reading. What's the difference when you talked about, because um, I was, the only reason I was pausing on this one was because as I first read about the subpersonalities, I was thinking about them as sort of negative, like they come out when they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But then I also, you, you kind of referenced also the, the soul-directed life versus the subpersonality-directed yeah. life. But then, so I was trying to figure out, but then you just mentioned several good examples where the subpersonalities can be positive versus negative in terms of helpful. So can you tell me more about like the interplay of the soul-directed life and how you yeah. pull in the sub-personalities in a positive way, it sounds like you've been able to do. Like, Tell me more about that. Well, for instance, I have a part that's a manipulator. Mm-hmm. I see things three or four steps ahead. I'm a, I'm a real estate developer, mm-hmm. right? I can and have in my life manipulated things for personal gain. And that's, a, that's not a great use of that tool. Mm-hmm. And I find that yeah. it's kind of yucky, and I try really hard not to do that. And I've repositioned, but that manipulator is also part of my developer and part of my salesman and part of promoting live, uh, living in the gap or hmm. you know the book. I just I see things three or four steps out. Uh, sorry, and I see how to lay things out so things together mm-hmm. in organized fashion. So it can be a part that that uh, has a negative connotation, but my through my soul, I say, no, hmm. I'm not going to use that just for personal short-term gain. <laughs> Got it. No, it's a skill I have, and I'm not, you know, and I do see things out, so I'll, I'll try to use it for good. Hmm. Okay. That would, be, that would be an example of it. Got it. Most, so- most parts have, you know, a redeeming quality, and or, you know, another way to say it is a lot of times our biggest strength is also one more hair over. Mm-hmm. It's our biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Depending where that balance is, yeah, we go too far with it. So yeah. So how do you figure out what that line is? Because there's a lot of gifts that can also become curses and vice versa. How, what what? How, how do you figure out what that line is? Awareness and experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you notice. 
you know, you notice when it is, you know, I notice when, uh, you know, I have another one. I, I can be really quick witted, uh, sometimes sarcastic. Sometimes that's great and humorous. Sometimes it's really digging, you mm. know, and I hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, so I have to watch that. Mm. Another, you know, but another time it's light and it's sometimes it lightens up the whole room, you know, it just lightens up the whole mood, but I have to watch it. And it's through awareness. And the other thing is I just did it uh, day before yesterday and I went in back in and apologized to somebody. I said, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I was so sarcastic. I was trying to be funny and I think I might've hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry. And how did that go over? How'd that feel? It felt fine. And then I acknowledged it and said, you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt me, but I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate you saying something and that's through awareness and just saying, Hey, and also if I clean up that mess, you know, I don't, I, I'm less likely to do it the next time <laughs> because I don't want to go back and apologize. So it helps me train my brain not to, not to hurt people. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt people. Right. Next topic, you can jump in. Uh, you, you, yeah, you jump to, jump to the next one. All right, yeah. I'm going to pick up a different one. Changing topic, sorry. A lot of this uh, parachuting in. Um, thinking a lot about, I liked what you said about just the potential for business um, to be a force for good around just solving some of these societal issues. I think one of the things I want to dig into was just the topic of truth and what that means and how you think about that. Um, because a couple areas, you know, I've read things like, I think in chapter one, you said, you know, if you believe, then it can be true. Near the end, you also had said, I think in section three about, you know, I think just not quoting because you don't know what you said, but for the folks who haven't read it, great thinkers and scientists note that while we cannot know truth, we can generate closer and closer approximations yeah. to what may be true. That is what I would say. Um, and I guess what I was thinking about that in context of trying to build a better society that's, you know, building better dialogue, how do we establish authority and law and order or even a sense of what is just um you know being called to speak up on behalf of those who are being poor or oppressed injustice when there's when it felt like there was also sort of a very esoteric view of truth like how do we actually reconcile those two because that felt very um contradictory to me so how, how do you think about that how do we well i mean the world's a mystery it's a great mystery look I mean, just think about consciousness. We mm -hmm. can't even agree yet on exactly what it is. I mean, and, and part of my conceptual framework is just laying out some of the new, uh, and it's not new, This the new academics are coming up to agree with what, you know, the 5,000 year old uh, Hindu and, and Eastern philosophers have said about consciousness, about it's all consciousness and everything's there. And that's that's exciting to me. But we still don't even have agreement on that yet. So I'd say, I mean, what I say, I know what I know my truth. I know who I am and what I stand for. <laughs> you know, I don't know uh, the absolute truth of things. And I, I don't, maybe I will after death and go find that, but I, I don't here in this body. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but I search for it and others search for it. And, and I also think, that's why democracy is, to your point, such a beautiful thing, is we need to compromise and agree mm -hmm. on, on and come up with compromise. And we're all not all going to agree, you know, on everything. But disagreement's fine. It's the arguments and the divisiveness. Mm, okay. I mean, if you live in a democracy, let's let's agree that the majority 
you know, gets it. And I ought to be able to convince enough people to the majority or not get my way. Right. Or move, you know, if it's that that dramatic for me. I, I don't know that any of us are going to know the truth. And when we all, it, when we all, we all never will. But more of us agree that we don't know the truth. You know, the Tao Te Ching has a great uh, quote that says, you know, when, when uh, people feel they know, they're hard to lead. When they know they don't know, they find their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, when we don't, if we all agree that we don't really have all the answers, we work together and come up with the best that we have and move together and, and compromise. And we've, we've lost compromise. We've lost it. Mindfulness has what we call the middle way. Mm-hmm. You know, we've lost that. And social media has been a big part of that. You know, there's you, the the bells or the we used to have a bell curve where it's, you know there's tails of five percent on each tail and ninety percent. Do you guys have that in school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now it doesn't work like now. It's like the tails are, you know, where the weight is. Yeah. Um. So it's it's out of whack, and we have to find the middle way again and find get ourselves back to compromise, just moving things along and. Realizing, you know, if, if it's 49% one and 51, I mean, just beating the other side, you're still going to have half the world against you. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it isn't going to work. You're reminding me of like school and, and the importance. I think it seems like we've lost a sense of what I would, whatever, I think I remember the term is social contract, right? There's this recognition yeah. that, you know, as part of a democracy, we have a social contract and, and yeah, you don't always get your way in an election. It doesn't mean you can throw a fit afterwards. You sort of you have to compromise and find agreement and get along. And we're, I mean, that, that, so wait for yeah. the next one and try again. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I like that's it. The only way it's, well, that's the only way and, it's gonna work. You know, in a sense, this is a business podcast. The beauty of business yeah. is we can come up with a disagreement on okay, this investment's better than this investment. Well, at the end of the day, capitalism. Everything needs to be bought and sold, and well, if it doesn't work, it goes out of business, which is really kind of the great, great, you know, well, equal. Well, where I think we've lost our way even further is now you see so many businesses leaning to political ideologies, which is only these investors, only these, you know, customers, only that is craziness in business. Why would I limit my profitability to a certain segment? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we have trouble getting employees. Why would I only want certain employees? Mm-hmm. Why would I only want certain customers or certain investors? I think that's a really slippery slope. Mm. Say, what business ought to just want to move things? I want to, you know, I'm in business to to do business. So anything that prohibits that, you know, I'll still have my own ideologies for the ballot box and for dinner conversation and whatever else, but when I, as a CEO, bring that into the company, what am I doing to all the employees that work with me? You know, making them feel less than, or they've got to agree with what I agree with, or... I, I think that's a slippery slope to bring that in, and I don't think it's good for business. Mm-hmm. I think when... That's why I say businesses ought to say, hey, we're only going to back people that... politicians that move things along. Left or right, I don't care. Right. You know, we have to agree somewhere and move things along. Yeah. Uh, and that's good for business. I mean, South Africa in uh, apartheid, right? Mm-hmm. The international sanctions came in and shut down the business community, and they said enough. Yeah, we're not. We need to do business. And the business community told the politicians, "Move us." 
Right. Get us through this. Get us along. Yeah. But how bad does it have to get here before the business community says, move us? Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, that's part of my motivation for writing the book was just to business just doesn't realize how powerful it is. You know, it's the same thing as like you hear kids say, why would I bother to vote? I got one vote. It'll never matter. You know, well, it matters. Mm-hmm. Votes. We can vote in whatever we want if we right. all agree. <laughs> I mean, business could business could shut this whole thing down like anytime and say, yep. hey, we're not doing it that way anymore. Yeah. Um, another question I had, too, about um, truth, but related to business, I think this gets into it a little bit in terms of good ethical business. You mentioned um, what, what I read, and I think I don't have a quote, so maybe if I'm summarizing, forgive me if I didn't get it right, but um, kind of core ethics of mindfulness I read about purifying ourselves of greed and hatred and delusion, um, which I agree with. <laughs> no, no argument there. Um, what I was trying to understand was how do you think about those in terms of obviously purifying yourself from those things while also it's hard not to judge the fact that you see that in other places either, I would assume, right? You see in the business world, we see greed, we see hatred, we see delusion, but at the same time, the way I read your book was, well, maybe I don't fully understand the situation. I can't judge those things. I can't. So how do we speak against those things in the world from a a justice perspective while also maintaining this kind of perspective of, um, no judgment. My truth is my truth. Like I was having a hard time reconciling those. Can yeah. you like how do you go and well, speak on brand, behalf of those issues? It's, right. It's a brand setup for it. Um, yeah. Well, we can only control ourselves, right? So we can control how we act, and we can also control to some extent who we deal with, right? That mm-hmm. another thing I mm-hmm. say in the book and other places. Like, I want to work with people that make me feel bigger, not the people make me feel smaller. And people that I can that I know, like, and trust. Yeah. So if I find someone acting that way, now I may have to deal with them. May they may have something? They're the only ones that have it, and I may have to deal with them. But if I don't have to deal with them, I won't. Hmm. Now, for I'm a business guy, and if I have to, I will. Right. I'll go, you know, I'll go in and do what I got to do. Right. But um, I'd prefer not to. So I try to hang around more people that are more like-minded. I also say I, I like to hang around other givers. Mm-hmm. I just think that's that's how, you know, things magnify. It's leverage. Mm-hmm. So I can't. And also, as you said brilliantly, is I don't know what's going on with them. If we each have our own world perspective, you know, I don't know if they're just having a bad day or somebody really harmed them or they're on the verge of bankruptcy and they're desperate. Right. You know, I really don't know what's going on with them. All I can say is. I don't like to act that way. Yeah. You know, that's not my operating, you know, uh, method. So I'm going to do my best not to deal with people that I find that are out of bounds with that mm. and try to find people that I find are like minded and uh, are trying to improve the community mm-hmm. and make money. You gotcha. know, I, I, I don't have any problem making money. But I just <laughs> think there's more than one way to make it. Right. So I have I have a coaching question, and a, a part of it, it also dials into definition. You 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 wrote about something called transformational shocks, as well as mm-hmm. intense workshop. And I wanted to ask you about that. I'm one who really benefits. I, I I try to go on a 
fairly intense workshop for myself about every six months because I need it. I get too caught up into things where everything is turned off. I've gone to workshops in Tennessee and Arizona, and I actually I'm going next weekend for four days in California. I need those to unplug and just kind of yeah. reorient myself. And I was I was curious because I'm like, I wonder if he's talking about the same thing. So t- tell me about these intense workshops or, or what you mean by that. So, yeah, and can I ask you, do you have a daily practice? Do you do any? I, I have both a daily, day? yeah, I have both a daily practice as well as a, I would say, quarterly practice as well, too. Great. So if, if you really want to know, first thing I do, I get up in the morning, I jump into an ice bath because it kind of gets me going. Oh, then, I got, we got to, my kids got me into that, too. I love Plunge, it. Ice plunging. Mm-hmm. So I, I do that. And then I work out, and I'm a Christian, so then I spend time in Great. Scripture, then I pray, and then I'm part of a men's group. But then it's also, awesome. I have found for myself, what really helps also are these retreats for myself. And I really wish yeah, I would have found them found that a decade ago. That, yeah. So what I've also found is that the, the retreats, the intense workshops or whatever by themselves without those daily practices are less useful. I find, I call them slow boils in the book, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Olson wrote a book called The Slight Edge. If you haven't read it, it's a really good one about how little tiny practices over a long period of time make a massive difference. So I say, those little practices keep me opening, 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 opening. You know, mm-hmm. keep letting go of, of, of different things that happen to me every day and keep being open to new possibilities. But then sometimes those transformational shocks can be anything from, you know, there's a thing in there, Steve Jobs with LSD to, you know, or Ram Dass, uh, you know, to workshops like I, I mentioned in the book or the ice bath or whatnot. They can be great transformational shocks to kind of level up even higher that really make you see things. Another thing they can really do, depending on the workshop, is, is show you blind spots, which I've found simple mindfulness practice doesn't always uncover blind spots, particularly if you're doing it yourself. You need another set of eyes, like a Mm -hmm. coach, consultant, or Mm -hmm. a lot of, and I found, especially as CEO, people don't tell me things. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't go, hey, Eric, you're really being a jerk. You know, they just say, oh, you're great. No. So you go in another atmosphere and somebody, I I, I referenced one in the book, I think I was there at at a workshop and somebody said to me, what are you so angry about? And I said, I'm not angry, you know, it was like, <laughs> oh, and from that point that uncovered a huge blind spot for me that I, I got for myself that I was running closings. I was running my kids, my family through this disguised anger to get my way. Hmm. Once I became aware of it, hmm. that blind spot, I started going, that's not okay with me. You know, I'm not at a if I can't convince somebody, you know, logically of what we should do, then maybe I don't need to get my own way. So that can be really a beneficial part of them too, is to get some, some accurate feedback. And so can coaching or therapy or, you know, there's a lot of ways to get that. But I have found a shortcoming of mindfulness maybe by itself. I think it, what I would say is meditation mindfulness let me, has made me very open to hearing those things and, and also options for solving them and awareness once they come up. But I've needed another set of eyes or some other kind of thing to 
the other thing you get at those workshops is you see so many other people going through things. Mm-hmm. I did dozens, dozens of them. You see, oh my God, that, and then you see something that they went through, and you go, oh, I got a little. And I find that. that encouraging, actually. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're human. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It, so it, I call those transformational shocks, and one of the things I found through going through a lot of them is that if those are there without the slow boils, the daily mm-hmm. practices, we close back up again. A couple mm-hmm. months after, it was like, remember that workshop? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt really good that weekend. Mm-hmm. But if we can keep a daily practice like prayer, meditation, gratitude, mm-hmm. those kind of things, they can it can just keep rising up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I'm recommending in that is the transformational workshops. Everybody is different. Everybody doesn't like them. I'm really thick skinned. It takes, you know, I get, I get hit over the head with a sledgehammer sometimes. So they've been great for me, you know. But, what actually led me to it? Yeah, well, and you, you you referenced a question I was going to ask, which is great. Actually, you jumped down in my list of things I thought was really important. I really liked the blind spots list that you had. Is there, kind of back to the subpersonality question, maybe this is for your son Ryan if he hadn't do this too, but is there an assessment around that? Like how do you how do you assess or how do you go about finding your own blind spots, right? And obviously mindfulness, you mentioned that being a shortcoming is how, what are the ways someone can do that? Is there some assessment or some tool that can be used to do that? I, I, I find the best thing to be feedback. Okay. You know, in a, in a, where you're getting feed, like in a workshop, we just, uh, had, we have, you know, weekly calls as, as well as, you know, intensives and they week calls and we just encourage everybody and gave them a format and give each other feedback of how they're showing up for each other. You okay. know, candid feedback, not righteous, not hurtful, just, you know, and just, you know, when you do this, <laughs> it's not productive. You know, what, you know, this is what I noticed. I think finding a way from a coach or consultant or therapist or a group like you're talking about one of those workshops to get feedback uh is the way that i've done it and found the best i haven't seen i mean starting to look and being aware is huge Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but sometimes we honestly don't know where to look Mm -hmm. and we need another set of eyes Mm -hmm. to tell us you know hey look and not to tell us what it is but say hey look here Mm Yeah. Right. Coaching. Hey, look in this area. I'm not telling you you have it, but I'm saying it's a possibility. Why don't you look and consider it? Mm-hmm. Play with it a little bit. And you just look at all the different things. But we all have them. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have oh, yeah. some different different blind spots that uh, can be very limiting. Mm-hmm. Limiting beliefs is the other one, right? Mm. What what are our, our limiting beliefs? So we just evaluate that and, and then see where we're stuck in our life and see what's not working and then dig in. I absolutely love in terms of feedback. We our company that I I lead. We use three sixty feedbacks all the time. Yeah, and what I find huge. fascinating about three sixties is someone may be right, and this is what where they get stuck is they're right, but it's coming off a different way. And if it shows up on two or three other evaluations, they're like, "Well, I was right. You're right, but you're also a jerk." And that I found that it's really helpful on the 360. Now we only bring those out once a year because it, it's almost too much like a retreat. But I found that really, really helpful um, because some of them can be right. Top it's the attitude. Well, how else is a top executive going to get feedback? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. 
all you hear is what you want to hear, mm-hmm. right? Unless you surround yourself with people that you've given permission to really give it to you. You know, it takes a lot of confidence. Um, I, I don't know. The, uh, the 360, I think, is a huge tool to, to evaluate yourself because people are not giving top executives feedback. Unless, you know, they may get it from the board after a while, but how often does the board see them? Mm-hmm. You know, once a quarter, once a mm-hmm. month, something like that. And if they're, if they're having successful, they don't get it at all. They just get a nod. So I think that that kind of thing is, is huge. Mm-hmm. How have you found, um, that, that actually another question on that topic, um, bringing up lots of great ones I sort of had thought about but hadn't written down even. How does a, an executive put themselves in a position to get that feedback? Because it, it sort of is almost um, contradictory to the fact that they want to be confident, they want to project leadership, they want to project... Um, the ability to, to sort of get people, get everyone going in the right direction. There's sort of this weird built-in incentive. At least I work a lot in healthcare. There's this weird built-in incentive to nearly not tell the boss the truth, um, to keep yeah. things going quietly exactly. in the same direction. You know, like I've exactly. seen so many times people leave the room. CEO, I literally had a CEO say, yeah, keep going. That looks great. He left the room. All the other VPs sat around and said, okay, how do we kill this thing? Because this is a bad idea. <laughs> they won't tell them the truth. Exactly. How does, exactly. How does a leader... And set themselves uh, up for most that. Hired, you know, and, and a lot of times you get to be a CEO because you're, you know, you're a hard driver. Right. You know, you go. Mm-hmm. Right. And hard, I mean, I, I tell the story in a book there. The, the, one of the guys that worked with me, Nathan, I heard mm-hmm. him say one day, you can't talk to Eric. That really hit me. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Because it was true. I mm-hmm. ran 100 miles an hour, you know, and mm-hmm. I would usually be busy so I didn't have to talk to everybody. Mm. <laughs> also, I didn't want to talk to everybody. Right. <laughs> I think you got to put yourself in a situation and sometimes even you go in another, you know, with a bunch of other CEOs or whatnot and you're in a different environment. You're not, they're not seeing you in that same environment. Mm. So somehow a coach mm. or inviting the 360 or you can see, you know, if you put yourself in one of these intense workshops, and you see yourself under a number none of the situations, usually those go-to moves show up. And they don't. Somebody there, you're not their boss. Mm-hmm. So someone there, but you got to get yourself in, in, in a situation where you're inviting it mm-hmm. somehow. And I know the other one I was going to say with your comment before was I had a marriage counselor say something similar, Eric. He said, uh, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? That's what I was trying to remember a minute ago. But yeah, I mean... And I didn't, you know, the marriage counselor hit me out with it. Right. You know, did you be a jerk? <laughs> you know, you might be right. Yeah. But this is your wife. It's not a, you know, not a business negotiation. You know. Yeah. So, no, that's I appreciate that. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, in, you gotta invite feedback. I think, and even, mm-hmm. you know, in, uh, I, I spent years just reading Eastern texts, and the stories of enlightenment and going sitting on an ale in India. Well, it's pretty, you know what? It's pretty easy to be enlightened if no one's around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. So people true. are like the challenge. People are the problem. <laughs> including myself, you know, when I get with uh, by myself, I get my own way. I'm all right. But when I get with other people, you know, so I think you have to put yourself in something. And we, you know, in our workshops, our mindful leadership workshops, there's all kinds of exercises we do to put you under things. We do one on ones, we have you in triads. And, 
and there are things you got to show up for and things show up over it's a nine month program things show up mm-hmm. and everybody doesn't want to deal with everything but you know they show up and you say have you look at this possibility mm-hmm. look at this is this you know uh, and usually when it's affecting somebody it's affecting them all over the place not just at work it's also at home and it blows up you know mm-hmm. somewhere live so it's worth oh, it oh yeah you know yeah. i i found it's really worth it once you start looking so in your book, you have a number of different pillars. You know, you have pillar one or pillar nine. Thinking of all the pillars, in your opinion, what is, if, if you were to guess, what do you think is the biggest blind spot for business leaders today? You know, go, go dig in this hole or are they all equal? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. You know, just starting to recognize that we're not our thoughts. We have thoughts. And we didn't even originate them all. They came from all over the place. You know, to separate ourselves so that we can look with a bigger lens at things. Not just what we think, but tapping into real gut, hmm. real intuition, real consciousness of, of things. And to come at things from a much bigger perspective than, than thought. Thought is really, I mean, it's great and brilliant people sometimes have it harder than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. because they're so smart they usually figure things out but even that's exhausting and stressful mm-hmm. stress and anxiety reside in thought peace and joy are in the space between thought and when thought calms like when you look at a dramatic view and you go oh, or the ocean or the moon or whatever it is that's the mind slowing down that's what mm-hmm. we feel it's just oh, that calmness of those brain waves going in a different thing and you can have that in a lot of different situations. And from there, from that position, you can handle a lot. Mm-hmm. From in a very busy thought, trying to figure things out. And the other thing is that we, we think we know what's going to happen in the world. We don't know. We don't have any idea next, you know, COVID or 9-11 or tsunami we, or interest rates are going to go. or We, we just don't. Mm-hmm. But we, why do we do? And from a bigger perspective, I can just watch and go, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can I can watch and know what I'm going to do if this happens or that happens. You know, I can be, you know, more aware. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is mindfulness. And the next thing would be, purpose. you know, what is your purpose in life? And then is it mm-hmm. profits, not a purpose? Balance sheets, not a purpose. What do you want to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, it, those are results mm-hmm. of, of providing a useful product, and it, they're great, and they're necessary, but it's not a purpose. Yeah. So find, find out what your purpose is in life and why you're here and what you want to accomplish and, you know, make it a little bigger than yourself. And then your, your life starts getting easier. And, yeah, and you, you use that all the time in your coaching. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of what you do with with. And I've had this conversation too with just even people I've connected with out of this podcast. I've had people reach out and they'll say, "Well, I'm in my 30s. I've reached become a CEO, and I don't know what else to do. Right? What, what, what's what's the purpose? Right? So yeah, no, that's huge. I, I've heard that huge, several times. Huge, huge yeah. journey. Yeah. You know, I know with our company when the vision changed to mindfully creating community, it was a game changer. It gives everybody permission just to do good things around town and, and mm-hmm. business thrived. People feel better. Yeah, that, that that's the procession effect, right? We didn't get into that too much, but that was another really cool concept. I, um, yeah, that was, I like that a lot. We 
we didn't have, we ran out of time. I think we're getting close to the end here. But that was another one that. Um, there's a lot of. Have to, they'll have yeah. to get the book. They're going to yeah. have to get the yeah, book. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's I, I enjoyed it. So I, I wrote down a lot. So lots of things to get into. Um, any final questions? Well, I, I have lots more questions, yeah. but I guess we'd like to end our interviews with this question. What question haven't we asked you that do you wish we would have asked you? Oh, gosh. Um, how do you get started? Yeah, how okay. do you get started? How do you get started? <laughs> start small and be consistent. Mm-hmm. People think it takes too much. Mm-hmm. Don't start with 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, of meditation or whatever. Start with two minutes. Start with some simple gratitude. Mm-hmm. Start with taking a walk you know, without your phone. And over time, you'll want more. But I find that people, our minds are crazy. And if we go for too much too soon, we get discouraged mm-hmm. to say, I can't meditate. I can't do that. Well, but it, you can do two minutes. And if you can't do two minutes, you really need this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we do two minutes, we work them up, you know, over six months to 10, yeah. you know, to, to, to do it and you want more and you have more time because you can up more efficient you stop wasting so much time so Great. prioritize it well good well hey thank you so much for taking yeah. time out of your busy schedule. thank you very much we really appreciate i love the dialogue and it also makes me happy knowing you're in the rocky mountains right now and just in god's country enjoy it <laughs> have a wonderful have wonderful day <laughs> thanks for having me on really all right th- Thanks, Eric. We appreciate your time. Take care. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.